Today I'm going to use the term subprime mortgages. I'm going to refer to subprime mortgages and I'm even going to make comparison to current financial products with subprime mortgages. But I'm not saying that we're going to experience something like the subprime mortgage crisis because we'll never experience something like the subprime mortgage crisis that happened many years ago. What we are experiencing is what really happened back in 2008, which was a collateral squeeze, a collateral shortage that began with the doubts, revaluations, and haircut adjustments on certain subprime mortgage bonds way back when, long before the crisis became an actual crisis. This was the trigger point that led to all the nasty consequences that came afterward. Again, I'm not saying that we're going to repeat the 2008 financial crisis because there will never be a repeat of the 2008 financial crisis, but we have never solved our collateral issue that dates back to the original subprime mortgage problem. So when Ben Bernanke said subprime is contained, not only was wrong, he's still wrong to this day. But what does that mean? When we're seeing repo fails skyrocket to almost a trillion during the week, the last week of September of 2022, what are we really talking about? Where are all of these collateral fault lines coming from? And what does that mean about the rest of this year into next year, rate hikes, economy, maybe even as my good friend Steve Van Meter said yesterday on our video, financial crisis perhaps? Let's find out. I'm Jeff, this is Eurodollar University. And of course, I'm going to tell you about, if you're watching this on Emil Kalinowski's YouTube channel, you're going to want to go to the Eurodollar University YouTube channel because I think after this week, they're going to be posted exclusively on Eurodollar University. So if, you want to interested, if you're interested in continuing to follow these videos, you're going to have to find them over there. Eurodollar University on YouTube channel, easy enough to find. Um, if you're listening to me on Apple, Spotify, whatever podcast outlet, you don't need to do anything. And if you're already watching this video on Eurodollar University, I thank you for that. So collateral, that's what we're going to talk about today because we should be talking about collateral. In fact, this should be a topic of mainstream discussion, endless mainstream discussion, because there is no understating, no overstating the problem here. Understating. We have a major collateral problem. We've seen that all year. Um, T-bill rates, SOFR, SOFR telling us that there's not enough, there's too much cash for a limited amount of collateral available borrower, borrowers. Um, repo fails is a recent one. We see repo fails skyrocket to the most in almost six years, over six years, and still half a trillion in the first week of October. Now you've got a dollar swap to the Swiss National Bank. So there is something going on that is more than, I hate to say, normal collateral strain because there is no, there should be no normal collateral strain. But collateral strains that have been as bad as we've seen this year seem to have gotten maybe an order of magnitude worse. And the question is, how? Well, one way, the easiest way, is Italy. Italy is one of the largest issuers of debt in Europe. And of course, because it's the largest issuer in debt in Europe, it's a major sovereign country. Therefore, its debt is major sovereign bonds. Italian bonds make up a huge proportion of euro-denominated repo. But not just euro-denominated repo, also maybe collateral backing US dollar transactions. If you have a, a Italian bond, an Italian sovereign bond, it might be the first leg you put up as the first leg in a transaction, collateral for collateral swap, where you swap an Italian bond for a U.S. Treasury to do something in U.S. dollars, to borrow U.S. dollars for some particular purpose. 
And we know that Italian bonds, because the Germans don't borrow much, there aren't many German bonds out there, that leaves Italy to pick up the repo slack, the collateral slack in Europe. And what we've seen over the last year or so is Italian spreads, not just rates, but spreads have risen precipitously, which means that no bueno as far as Europe repo collateral goes. The market is saying to all those who've been putting up Italian bonds as the, the starting point for repo, either straight Euro denominated repo or as a collateral for collateral swap into US dollars, I need more collateral. I need better collateral before I'm gonna, I'm gonna lend to you again today. Repo spreads are, in, or sovereign bond spreads are a bad sign as far as repo collateral goes. And with Italian government bonds being such a huge part of the global repo collateral system, obviously that's gonna create an issue for in a very widespread, a very widespread issue. As it had in late 2011. People think that was really about governments who had spent, had spent too much money and that led to a credit, credit crisis when it was really another collateral shortage. We had just gotten out of the 2008 crisis, which wasn't about finance as much as it was about collateral and repo money, which had been essentially before the crisis era, many repo counterparties accepted mortgage bonds, all kinds of mortgage bonds at highly valuable terms, low haircuts, which was essentially told the market they could use a lot of these mortgage bonds and get credit for them in the same way as if they were using US treasuries backing these secured financing transactions. And of course, that proved to be a mistake because for various reasons, not just subprime mortgages, but also prime mortgage bonds, they became, they got to be revalued, haircuts adjusted on those two, which meant that, that when they were no longer treated in the repo market the same as US treasuries, everybody had to scramble because there was no margin for error. When JP Morgan came knocking on your door saying, I need more and better collateral from you, hardly anybody had more or better collateral. Everybody that could bought US treasuries, particularly treasury bills, which is why bill rates stayed so low during the financial crisis. Others tried to find alternatives and those who didn't have alternatives were forced into fire sales, which nobody wants to be nobody wants to do. In Europe, a lot of people had turned to sovereign bonds because of course they did. But not all sovereign bonds are created equal as we began to find out late in 2009 into 2010. So the issue in 2010 into 2011 and 12 wasn't so much about uh, credit, uh, credit quality of these sovereign issues as it was using these bonds in repo in the same way that many had been using the same subprime and prime mortgage bonds before the crisis. In fact, you know, famous quote for me anyway, November, late November of 2011, as the Fed is de debating lowering the premium on its dollar swaps to try to help with the global euro dollar problem that was going on then, um, the head of the open market, the system open market manager, Brian Sachs said, yields on Italian and Spanish debt have increased over 100 basis points over the past three weeks, with the 10-year yield approaching 7% in Spain and surpassing that level in Italy. Liquidity in these securities has deteriorated significantly as the perceived risk has increased. So what does that mean? For repo counterparties, it means I don't want your bonds. Any doubts about liquidity in those bonds means repo is going to reject them. Why? Because repo counterparties only care about what happens if you default on the cash. 
if you borrow from me, if you borrow cash from me and you give me a sovereign bond, even an Italian sovereign bond or whatever it happens to be, I only care about tomorrow if you default on the cash, am I going to be able to sell that sovereign bond at a price that gets me whole? Am I going to be able to sell it at a price that's predictable enough where I, real, where I feel like I don't have any risk of loss should you default? And if liquidity in these markets goes down and spreads start to rise as a reflection of lack of liquidity, that tells me I don't want that bond. I don't want Italian bonds. But if so many people have been using Italian bonds, that presents an enormous systemic problem, as it did in 2011, as it is in 2022. We've seen Italian bond spreads rise precipitously, over 100 basis points since the beginning of the year, which tells us that, among other things, lack of liquidity in that marketplace, which also means not going to be good for repo. So that's simple. That's easy. That's the good stuff. I mean, that's the that's not good, but that's that's the visible stuff that we can see. Italian bonds and repo. That's that's a that's, that's a good place to start for a collateral shortage. There's also euro bonds. Euro bonds are a little bit more difficult because it's hard to price them. There isn't many indices. It's more shadow stuff. Um, you don't see euro bonds traded regularly, but we can infer some problems in euro bonds. Um, particularly given what, what behavior around the rest of the world, fallen currencies and emerging markets, as well as many other issuers, don't always have to be sovereign, sovereign bond issuers and euro bonds. But that's likely another source of collateral strain, which I'm not going to get into more here. I'll save that for another day. But I do want to talk about a third component of what might be causing some very serious collateral strain, which may be more First of all, similar to subprime mortgages. Again, similar, not the same, similar to subprime mortgages, but also even more shadow than euro bonds. I'm talking about CLOs, collateralized loan obligations. Now, these are essentially corporate bond pools that are put together and packaged and securitized, which we all thought that stopped. Securitization was what gave us the subprime mortgages to begin with. Packaging, uh, packaging mortgage bonds, not always subprime mortgages, packaging mortgage loans, not always subprime mortgages, also prime mortgages, as well as any kind of debt product you can think of. We put them together in a pool. We slice and dice them into tranches, therefore creating what we think are, or what Wall Street tells us are, um, often specified risk parameters for each bond including the vast majority of these securitized uh, monstrosities become AAA rated because depending upon the thickness of the tranches in front of them, they should be insulated from all credit losses under every single scenario. But that doesn't mean, this is the key, this is what we, this is what we learned in the subprime mortgage crisis, that it wasn't about losses. That doesn't mean because even if these mortgage bonds are indeed protected by the tranches that take first loss, that take the losses first, it doesn't mean that prices can't go screwy. That is what really happened in 2008. And I wish I had more time here to get into it. Maybe I will at some point in the future. I certainly have in member videos. But essentially what happens is even if a AAA rated bond actually is AAA rated for good reasons, that doesn't mean that it can't lose value if liquidity for that bond dries up. So in a situation where you see credit spreads rising for similar types of instruments, especially where correlation is inferred from the market behavior in those instruments, what you end up seeing is that bond prices can fall in a way that has little to do with actual credit danger to that bond. 
This was the major thing that caused all of those losses in 2008, the OTTI losses. It wasn't actual credit losses. It was market value impairments. So we have collateralized loan obligations that have increased in popularity. And they have increased in popularity in large part because of how they performed in 2008 and 2009. So all those mortgage bonds that got hammered and, and sliced and diced and, and blown up because of illiquidity in that market, the CLO market performed relatively well. It was relatively stable. So recency bias. Many market participants believe that since CLOs performed well in 2008 and 2009, maybe they would perform better than the alternative if we go through similar circumstances. Now it's true, subprime mortgages in those bonds were much lower quality than you see even some of the worst CLOs. So in one sense, they are not, they're not directly comparable. But the processes there are, as well as are some of these conceits, as well as some of the assumptions here, that even if you have a good CLO package with decent corporate loans in it, that you have enough protection in the CLO structure, regardless of all situations. And that's not necessarily the case. Liquidity goes down, suddenly pricing, go, start, pricing becomes irregular and undependable. Now you have more of an issue, especially since we have very little information about CLOs in particular. What, what information we do have comes from us from private sources, not public sources, but private sources. Um, SIFMA in particular. SIFMA says that in their latest estimates, which only go to the end of 2021, last year, they tell us that there was about 635 billion, 636 billion in CLOs outstanding in the US. Um, total CLOs and CDOs in that same class was about 819 billion at the end of last year. Now, one thing we do know is that CLO, CLO issuance has come down a little bit this year, but it hasn't stopped. It has, it has contracted a little bit. CLLs are still being issued in pretty solid fashion, even though spreads in CLOs have risen. But we don't know how dependable those spreads are either. Uh, some of the AAA rated spreads, AA rated spreads have doubled um, from about 100 basis points to over 200 basis points through the middle of the year, along with credit spreads and other uh, more traded bond markets. Um, credit spreads have risen a bit again toward the end of September into October. So we know spreads are up in CLOs, but we don't really know how prices are behaving, just like we didn't know how prices were really behaving in the subprime mortgage space way back 15 years ago. And one of the problems too is that CLO issuance is not strictly a domestic thing. A lot of US, U.S. dollar denominated CLOs have been issued outside the United States, something we know from, ironically, TIC. TIC data, which is a public source, way back in June of 2018 said, um, all of a sudden the, the, the Treasury Department said, we're going to improve the quality of our reporting on specifically CLOs. And oh, by the way, we happened to find, what was it, uh, 257.6 billion in CLOs that we didn't know were previously there. Um, it showed up as a discontinuity in the data, which was US bank liabilities to foreigners, which meant that US bank liabilities to foreigners, a quarter trillion in CLOs, what that was telling us is that there was a quarter trillion 
and U.S. banks packaging corporate loans and selling them to overseas investors. How are these overseas investors funding these purchases? No idea. I mean, we can guess. I'm guessing repos there because that's really the issue here. In the old subprime mortgage era, you would package subprime mortgages together, a bank would, or actually off balance sheet, a special investment vehicle or SPV, special purpose vehicle, would package these loans together and then sell them to investors. The big piece, the, the, super, the senior and super senior tranches, would be sold to the largest investors like insurance companies and pension funds who would then fund their purchases by either issuing commercial paper or funding them in repo because it is a bond, it is a security that does have a market behind it. So even if it's a CLO or a mortgage bond, you can use it as repo collateral so long as the repo market is accepting that collateral. What we found in 2007 was the market said, I don't want these even prime mortgage bonds, even if it's AAA rated, because the liquidity in that market is such that I can't dependably sell, I can't dependably, I can't reasonably believe that I'm going to sell, be able to sell this bond tomorrow should you default on the cash loan. So spreads have been rising. We know that the, the U.S. bank system has been selling these CLOs to, to some degree we can't really even track. Again, this is 2018. Tick data, Treasury Department said there's a quarter trillion more than we thought there was a month before. And they also singled out the Cayman Islands and said a lot of these are flowing through the Cayman Islands, which rings all sorts of alarm bells there. So it's not unreasonable to assume that a lot of these CLOs that are, that are flowing overseas, they're not being tracked, they're probably being funded in global repo as collateral. And that brings it back to the issue of spreads, liquidity. Any trouble in liquidity, suddenly those that were funding these, these purchases and holding these assets in repo are going to have enormous problems. Um, as well as, you know, we get into some of the credit issues too, because credit and liquidity, fears over credit go together, right? And one of the things that the corporate loan market is going to be extremely sensitive to, unlike maybe the mortgage bond market was, recession, the business cycle. Corporate defaults and fears over corporate defaults tend to go with contractions in the real economy, especially if those contractions might be harsh outside the United States as, as well as inside the United States. As I said, if, if this loan product is more tied or more susceptible to recessionary probabilities, I don't think we've heard the last of CLOs. In fact, it may be that for most people, they may hear CLOs for the first time. We'll see if that, 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 that turns out to be the case or whether or not it really is mostly Italian. Then again, like most of these periods, it's never one thing or another. It's how one thing combines with another thing and then another thing. And it just, it just, it's just too much for the system to overcome. And at some point, dealers have to say, we're not taking anything except the best of the best of the best collateral. And we've seen, seen some of that this year. Whether or not we see more, well, I guess, remains to be seen. And again, we're talking about spreads here. We're not talking about rate hikes. We're not talking about the Fed. We're talking about market liquidity in markets that are tied to euro dollar sufficiency, not the Federal Reserve and rate hikes. So something very much to keep an eye on as, as global recession becomes more and more likely, if it hasn't already. Um, as far as what makes the our original question that Steve and I tried to deal with in our last video, 
what makes the Fed stop hiking rates, even if the CPI isn't as low as it might like, even if some of the even if some of the economic data isn't as unambiguously recessionary as maybe the Fed requires, a big one would be a, a massive collateral shortage. And we've already seen collateral shortage, but a massive one that leads to something like a collateral run that might get the Fed's attention. So again, as always, thank you for watching. Uh, check us out. Remember, Eurodollar University's Utah YouTube channel. There's uh, memberships, research subscriptions, more details about stuff, the stuff we talk about in the podcast. You can find that at eurodollar.university. I'm at eurodollar.university or on Twitter. Check me out there. Until next time, take care.